This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazdeh. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen... The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. What's up, everybody? Man, what an amazing episode with Matt Abrahams. He's a lecturer from uh, Stanford Graduate School of Business, wrote the amazing book, Speaking Up Without Freaking Out. This guy's an expert at communication, how to show up, you know, how to calm our anxiety so we can deliver effective communication when we have these big talks or presentations. The other thing he talks about is, is really what are some of the best practices for communicating whether it's something we're selling or or whether we're we're trying to have that big impact or whether or whether we're on the TED stage. So everything from the stages of TED to that next big presentation to raising money, how can we communicate better? How can we be more effective in our communication so that we get what we want? So check it out. Stay tuned. Amazing episode. Stoked to have you here. Guys, welcome to today's episode of The Greatness Machine. I'm your host Darius Mershazde and boy do we have an amazing guest. My main man, Matt Abrahams, is in the house. Oh, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Darius. I'm super excited to be here with you. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. So um, for listeners who are new to the show, uh, you will soon learn that we are about two things. People are living their passions and those are creating greatness in the world. And Matt is neither short of passion nor greatness. So I'm so <laughs> excited to have Matt here. So Matt is, I'm going to give a little bit of your background. Matt um, is quite an accomplished individual. Uh, first of all, we have something in common. He is a TEDx speaker and I was a TEDx curator. So we have some of that TED, TED fam, famili- familiarity. Uh, <laughs> yes, um, there we but, go. But yeah, look, you man, you are such an impressive person. So you are a lecturer and a, an instructor at... Uh, Stanford, and you're teaching strategic communication over there. Uh, Matt is, wrote an amazing book called Speaking Up Without Freaking Out, 50 Techniques for Confident, Calm, and Confident Presenting, which is at, on its third edition. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Awesome. And you host the the GSB, the Graduate School Business Podcast called Think Fast, Talk Smart, as well as founding your consulting practice, TFTS Communication. So Matt, welcome to the show. 
I am excited to be here and, and looking forward to a discussion about communication and TED and, and all of that. Oh, I love it, man. So, you know, look, uh, like, b b by all stretches of the imagination, you know, or maybe without stretches of the imagination, you're a communication expert. Um, mm. I, I, is it safe to say that or am I like, am I overstretching to help me out here? So I've spent a lot of my life studying communication, practicing communication, helping people. But I believe communication, like many things in life, is something you have to continually work on. And so uh, I always, when people say I'm an expert, I, I, I feel like I'm pretty far down the road, but there's a lot of work still to do. I love it. Um, and so you don't know this, but uh, we do have something else in common. I did undergraduate for two years at UC Davis, and you are a graduate. You graduated yeah, with a did, master's I, from I UC went Davis. To grad school. Yeah, I went to grad school there. So, so depending if our times, I think I'm much older than you, but uh, you could have been a student of mine. I, in the classes you know, I was I there was 96 to 98. And I did yeah, take I was introduction. There a little, a little before you, <laughs> as the gray hair and lack thereof shows. <laughs> so, um, so like, what got like? Take us back. Like, what got you into this? Like, going down this road or this interest in be becoming what you are in the world of, of communication. Well, you know, I don't know many people who can pinpoint a day and time when they they found their passion, but I can. Uh, in as a freshman in high school. First day of high school, our English teacher made all of us stand up in front of the class and say what we did that summer. Uh, many people have had that experience. I, of course, went first because my last name is, starts with A-B and, and nobody was before me. And at the end of that class, the teacher came up to me and this is exactly what he said. He said, Matt, you are good at this talking thing. This Saturday, I need you to go to a speech tournament and represent our class. So I think every teacher had to send a student and I was that student. So I show up on a Saturday morning super early in a suit that was too tight, getting ready to give a presentation that I had just put together. My friend's parents are there as judges. My friends are sitting in the audience. The girl I liked was there. And I get up and I give a speech on karate. Martial arts have always been important to me. They were then, they are now. I start my speech. You can see where this is going, Darius, with a karate kick to get people's attention. <laughs> I ripped my pants from belt buckle to zipper in the first 10 <laughs> seconds of a 10 minute speech. And it was at that moment that I realized how impactful anxiety can be on speaking. And I became very, very curious about how we can help people manage anxiety. I was so nervous. I forgot to put on my karate pants, which have a lot more room than my extra tight suit pants I was wearing. Uh, so that moment really ignited my interest in communication. And I went through grad school, studied it, worked in the corporate world. And, and that's where I saw, you know, it, people struggle with communication in the work world and in our lives in general. And I, I began to see that people with the best ideas didn't always get their ideas out there simply because they were uncomfortable or unable to share them. So I've, I've really committed my life since being 14 to help people communicate better. Oh, that's so cool. It's like, what's like the, 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 the two most important days of your life, the day you're born and the day you know why, right? So that's, that, that's <laughs> I like so cool. that. The day I knew why was as a 14-year-old boy with my, my underwear hanging out. <laughs> yeah, like it could have been, been worse. You could have not been wearing underwear, but... <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's pretty bad, though. I, when I coach people, they say, I'm so worried about these awful things happening. I'm saying, let me take you back. It's never going to be as bad as this. That's amazing. So, yeah, yeah so let's talk about that, you know, like anxiety and in communication, mm -hmm. because obviously that's a big part of what you teach. You know, mm -hmm. 
I, I think I'm maybe more along the lines of yourself where I've always been a good at this talking thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. you got to get me to shut up more than anything else. But I will tell you, you know, <laughs> although I do have probably overconfidence in my speaking ability, I find it gets me into trouble a lot. Right. Where I'll mm-hmm. say stuff and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. And I watch like, I, I call it like the moment when everyone's mouth hits the floor and I'm like, Oh dude, that, I just, I just did one of those again. What do you like? Right. What, what, when you start, like when you're working with executives or you're, or you're teaching your classes on, on, on speaking like and, and the, managing this anxiety, what, what, are, what, how did, what's like the first thing that people should be thinking about when they're trying to level up and be a better communicator and not let anxiety get in the way? Uh, first and foremost, I think it's, it's critical to realize that anxiety is normal and natural. Uh, we all experience it to some level. 85% of people report feeling nervous in high stakes communication situations. And, and I like to say the other 15% are likely lying. We could probably create a situation that would make them nervous too. So the first thing is to realize it's normal to be nervous. Part of the problem is, is we don't talk about it. And some people are really good at hiding it or have learned how to manage it. And, you know, going back to our, our relationship to Ted that you and I both have, I think Ted talks have done amazing things for oratory and communication. We've heard lots lots of interesting voices and new opinions. I think the one disservice Ted has brought to us is everybody holds a Ted talk up as a standard of what effective good speaking is. And, and you know, and I know a lot of practice goes into those things. That is not somebody waking up one morning and walking out on a stage. And yet many of us see that as the paragon of perfection. And in fact, that intimidates us even more. And, And the reality is those folks have been coached a lot. I've done some talks and, and I worked hard at it. So uh, the first and foremost is knowing that that it's normal to be nervous and that not everybody is perfect in their communication. I love that. And and it's it, and I will say this for anyone that is making the assumption, uh, to your point, a, a, a TED event that when you watch it is one year of work in that you see the end result in one day, right? The speakers get and trained for, any- for the organizers, but for the speakers too. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the biggest, I would say the biggest part, the most work in doing a TED event is the prepping the speakers to put on a good event. Like that's yeah. probably 75% of the work, like finding a venue. Yeah. You can find a venue. That's not hard. Yeah. You know, finding speakers that may be depending on the organizer's abilities, but it's t- to your point, it is making sure they get up there and do it the right way to put on a great event where it's all around giving value. And, and look, you have, what is it? 18, 19 minutes. And yeah. a lot. So, so that's a, 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 mo- a lot of people don't know this, that there's like, they call it the, the, the Ted, the, the Ted commandments. Right. It's like the 10 <laughs> rules of a TED talk. And one of it's that you can't, you know, you have 19, 18 minutes. Like, that's it. Like, you don't get more. So you have to be effective in using that time. So it's a one year of work put, put out in one day. And, and there's tons of preparation. And I appreciate what you're saying, which is, hey, look, like a lot of people think that's where I need, how I need to show up when I talk. But yeah, yes. go for it. You know, go work six months for that 19 minute talk, you know? Like, and then yeah. you'll get that result. So when, you know, when you start thinking, like, obviously Ted is kind of this like top of the mountain experience from a talking standpoint, and very few people will get to do that. Really executives, leaders, even mm-hmm. people that are aspiring to, to become executives and leaders, you know, when, when they start thinking about the way they communicate, how, how, is, how can you help them with the things that you've learned to, to help them level up and they're, they're speaking? Sure. So a few things I'll share. 
Uh, first and foremost, and this helps with anxiety, and I think this helps just be a good person and a good leader, is you have to change the focus. It's not about you. It's about your audience. You're in service of your audience. And we as leaders, we as managers, we as human beings need to remember that we bring value to the conversations that we have. That helps us feel more confident, but it also helps us focus our content because the second bit of advice I have is it's really about the needs of your audience. It's not just what you want to say. It's what they need to hear. So you really have to focus on their needs. So it's all about empathy. It's all about taking the time to really understand your audience. And then from there, the next thing I, I recommend is you really have to structure content. We have all been victimized by people who just ramble on and on or throw bullet points our way. Structure really helps. I, I have interviewed a number of neuroscientists and, and our brains are wired to take in story, to take in structured information. And so we have to take the time to craft our messages, to really dial them in for the audience we're speaking to. And that, that again, is for us in our personal lives as well as in our professional lives. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Hey, business leaders and decision makers, get ready to supercharge your success with the ultimate source of business leadership, wisdom, Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is your daily dose of practical advice for better business management. Visit hbr.org for the latest articles like The Art of Setting Expectations as a Project Manager or AI can help you ask better questions and solve bigger problems. But this isn't just a list. I personally found the article on AI absolutely mind-blowing. It changed how I approach technology and analytics, providing real-world tools for better decision-making. And don't miss the HBR Magazine. It's published six times a year, offering timeless insights around crucial management themes. Perfect for those moments when you just you know want to get away from the screen and dive deep into some transformative content. But wait, there's more. HBR delivers top-notch podcasts, videos, and real-world case studies. From HBR on leadership to the big idea, HBR covers it all, providing invaluable insights from the best in the business. Harvard Business Review has been a game changer for me. It's challenged my thinking and made me a more effective leader. 
And don't forget the newsletters. Stay up to date on a variety of business topics, ensuring you're always in the know. Ready to elevate your leadership game? Dive into hbr.org, explore their podcasts, read their magazines. The wealth of knowledge is at your fingertip. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. Go to hbr.org forward slash subscriptions and enter the promo code greatness right now to take advantage of this great offer. Again, go to www.hbr.org forward slash subscriptions and enter the promo code greatness to learn more about this great opportunity to help manage your career and your business. So when you, you know, touching on that, you know, I'm a, I'm trained in conscious communication. And one of the things we talk about Mm -hmm. is, you know, not autobiographically speaking autobiographically answering autobiographically right and a lot of times we do that it's like oh you you like ice cream i like ice cream you know right and it's like well this is it's about me man not you right um but you know going back to what you're saying before you know i'd love to dive into the neuroscience of this so so what are some of the top things you've learned from the neuroscience standpoint as far as being a better communicator what's some of the science that really stands out to you yeah, so uh, love to sh- I, I love to geek out on this. So I'm going to uh, share a couple random things. They 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 aren't all linked together. So uh, one of the best ways to manage your anxiety is to take deep breaths. We we've known that for years and, and millennia, in fact. But what I learned from Andrew Huberman, who is uh, teaches at Stanford as well, I interviewed him on my my podcast. Is it's the exhale that's more important than the inhale. And that was new to me. I mean, I've been teaching people take deep breaths. I didn't know there was a difference. But from a neurochemical point of view, what's going on when you exhale is very different than when you're going on uh, when you inhale. So uh, the rule of thumb or what I like to joke, the rule of lung is you want your exhale to be twice as long as your inhale. Interesting. And it has to do with, with what's going on in your thoracic cavity and the neurohormones that get released as a result of that. And that's fascinating. Uh, I had the, the great pleasure of getting to know and, and interviewing David Eagleman. He's a famous author and also a, a neuroscientist. Uh, and he, he likes to talk about how our brains are wired for story. And he uses the analogy, you, you and I are of a similar vintage, although we, we clarified I'm older than you. Uh, you remember the first Star Wars movie that came out? Not It's now episode four in that last scene where Luke is going down that, that cavern and he's going to shoot the, 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 uh, into the Death Star. Mm-hmm. And, and David likes to say that our the, the, that thing that's being shot is like a story and it fits perfectly into our brain. And it just causes a huge explosion when a story resonates within us in terms of neurochemicals, in terms of the pathways that it ignites. So structuring information with a beginning, middle and an end, having having ways of transitioning uh, different points, all of that, our brain is is set to receive. In fact, we call it episodic memory. Long-term memory is called episodic memory. Episodes are nothing more than short stories. And so I, I find it fascinating how our brains are wired for communication and for story. I love that. And I love the analogy with Star Wars because I, I just think it's you know, there's a reason, and, and you're talking really about the power of story, right? And and yeah, and how like and story really creates culture, right? And this is this is what what I, I was, I'm reading Sapiens right now, and they talk all about mm-hmm. that. That is one of the, the 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 defining characteristics that has created a lot of this the culture of the world is around this ability to storytell. Um, I love. I'd love to dive into you know I was I was listening to your TED talk and you talk about the, the power of communication when it comes to status. And, I, mm. and I'd love to dive into that because I think that, you know, when we start to look at, 
you know, especially in today's world where content is king and you have this ability to build personal brand. And I, and, and I, and I think a lot of people, especially if they're maybe coming from more of an analog world, you know, you and I are both Gen X, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of riding that cusp of digital and analog. And a lot of leaders I know look at what's happening online and they're like, yeah, I'm not going to do TikTok. Yeah, I'm not going to go and build a personal brand. But there's a really strong argument to be made that personal brand is an extension of of who we are and it is necessary to elevate status in the new world of digital. So I look at that and say, Hey, I'm, I'm old school analog. Like I'm not going to get on and start shooting pictures of me and my dog. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, we are leaning into a world where personal brand is probably the next evolution of leadership, at least a part of it. If if, for leaders that are out there, it's how are you perceived from a personal brand status standpoint? So I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, how does communication, you know, leverage status and vice versa? Yeah, so I'm going to talk. I'm going to answer this question in two ways. Uh, to your point, you know, brand and reputation are critical for all of us, especially as as leaders, and we need to think about and curate that that reputation and that brand. And as I see it, you know, as somebody who grew up with with you know phones that actually were plugged into the wall right. and that, that, that cord came from the phone company. It wasn't like you could take it out and move your phone somewhere else. Uh, you know, clearly analog, uh, you have to adopt and embrace, adapt and adopt, uh, and embrace these new technologies to help you be part of the conversation that's happening. I have two teenage kids. I teach folks in their twenties and the way we communicate, we have to meet people where they're at in terms of the technology. And so, Thinking about your status uh, and, and how you portray yourself and your reputation is really critical. I did a fascinating episode of my podcast with Allison Kluger, who studies and teaches at the business school at Stanford, a class on reputation management. And part of that class is not only identifying what you want your reputation and brand to be, but how do you communicate that in a way that it echoes long after you're done? And being on different types of social media is, is critical to that. Now, the other way in which status plays out in communication, uh, those of us who study this, uh, we fundamentally believe that that our relative status to others is critical for what drives our anxiety that we have. Hmm. So as our species evolved, uh, where you were in the hierarchy of the group you hung out with, and it was usually around 100, 150 people, meant everything. It wasn't like who drove the fancy car and who had the most likes on social media. It was who got access to resources, who got shelter, who got food. And so anything you did that risked your status in those times could be a difference between life and death. And so many of us believe that why we get nervous is because this is ingrained in who we are to pay attention to our status in organizations, in relationships. So status plays in two very different ways. One is an origin, I think, of our anxiety and the other as how we show up as leaders and people. And so, so digging into that further, we know it's important. We know it matters Mm -hmm. when we start to look at things that leaders can do, whether they are middle management, upper management, the executives, the, the boots on the ground that are aspiring to become, you know, middle or upper management, um, and, or the leaders of the organization, what are some recommendations you have regarding things they can do to elevate their communication to then elevate their status? Uh, a couple things. So first, uh, know who you're talking to, as I mentioned, and, and, and don't just think it, do it. I mean, go out and talk to people who you're managing or will be managing. Talk to those who you report to. Understand what's important to them. 
first and foremost, the, the, to be a good leader, you have to understand the people you're trying to lead. The next thing that you really need to do is think about how can I listen? We often focus on communication as speaking, but in fact, listening is critical. Uh, and, and, you know, the irony is there aren't many classes in business schools and other places on listening. There's certainly classes on, on communication and speaking. But I think listening is one of the most underdeveloped and underrepresented skills of leadership. So listening and taking the time not just to demonstrate your listening, but to reflect on what you hear and then share that out and show how you're taking value from what people told you. And then it gets back to structuring messages, being engaging, being concise and clear. All of those are critical in your communication. I love it. You, you know, you talk about structuring and moving in that direction, you know, and, and one of the things I heard you talk about was this around planning structure and the, there's three different mm -hmm. parts of planning structure. Would you mind t talking about that and educating the audience on that a little bit? Certainly. So I am a huge fan of structure. And to me, structure is simply a logical connection of ideas. It's not bullet points. It's not a slide sorter where you see all your slides. It's a logical connection. You know, a lot of people call this story. Story is nothing more than a structure that's logically connected, often has an emotional component to it. So I see structure as story. I see them as similar concepts. Uh, in, in order to have a good structure, but beyond knowing who you're telling your story to or delivering your communication to, you have to have a goal. There has to be a clear goal to the message. And to my mind, a goal has three parts, information, emotion, and action. So what do you want the audience to know? How do you want them to feel? And what do you want them to do as a result of what you're saying? And that forms your North Star for everything you're going to say in your content. So you think about your audience, you define your goal, that's step one. Step two is to pick a structure, and there are many structures. Many of the people listening in are very familiar with the problem, solution, benefit structure. Every pitch in this valley, I'm in Silicon Valley, is based on that. Here's a problem or an opportunity, here's how we solve it, and here's how people will benefit. So that structure builds a concise, clear story that you're telling. Then the, the, the last part of this journey of structure is really reflecting on, does the structure work? So we have to think about what are we doing right and wrong? You know that definition, Darius, of, of uh, insanity, doing the same thing over and over right. again, expecting different results? That's how most of us communicate. When I ask people, how do you know if your communication was successful? The number one answer I get is, I got through it, as if survival <laughs> is the best metric. And that's not. Your goal is. So after you tell your story, do people know what you want them to know? Are they feeling the way you want them to feel? And are they willing to do what you want them to do? So the three stages, as you mentioned, are audience and goal, structure, and then analysis, review, and reflection. I love it. Hey, folks, Darius Mershazade here from The Greatness Machine, your go-to podcast for unlocking your full potential. Now, you've heard me talk about the power of effective communication, right? It's the key to amplifying your influence, engaging others, and really making your mark in the world well. Well, Hold on to your hats because I have something special for you today. Economist Education has rolled out a game-changing course on business writing and storytelling that's going to take your communication skills to the next level. Picture this. Economist Education provides online executive education courses built on the expertise and analytical rigor of the economist itself. These aren't your run-of-the-mill classes, folks. We're talking about two to six weeks online programs designed to empower business professionals like you to thrive in a changing world and workplace. These courses feature senior editors from The Economist and invited experts who dish out the insights on the latest developments in the business world. It's like having a VIP pass to the forefront of knowledge. When you sign up, you get a three-month digital subscription to The Economist to support your learning journey. But here's the kicker, my friends. Get 15% off any course from The Economist Education exclusively available through my URL, education 
www.economists.com forward slash greatness. And don't forget to enter the promo code greatness at registration to unlock your discount. This offer ends on March 31st. So you better hustle if you want to seize this opportunity now. Don't wait until it's too late. So for 15% off any course from the Economist Education, head over to education.economist.com forward slash greatness right now and use the promo code greatness at registration. Your future self will thank you for it now. When you're hiring for small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When I needed to expand my team, I wanted more than just resumes. I wanted quality professionals who were the perfect fit for our culture and goals. And LinkedIn Jobs delivered just that. LinkedIn Jobs isn't just another job board. LinkedIn Jobs has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidate within 24 hours. They understand the challenges small businesses face, which is why they're constantly innovating to make the hiring process easier. And just recently, LinkedIn launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions in a snap. Trust me, I've used it. It's like having a personal assistant to guide you through the process, making it quicker and more efficient than ever before. And let me tell you, it made all the difference. With LinkedIn's help, I've been able to attract top talent and build a team that's truly exceptional. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash greatness. That's linkedin.com forward slash greatness to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So go, going back to the beginning of this, though, we talked about anxiety and how, you know, folks like you yourself like were, you know, were nervous and you said yeah. that became this purpose for you in life. You know, when you start thinking about the different, you know, ways people get nervous, the way the ways we might want to calm ourselves down. And I'm sure there's there's two parts, you know, multiple parts to this, but cognitive is one, physical is another. You talk about that in yeah. your TED talk. Could you could you give some maybe some pointers for folks who really want to, you know, take the easy road as far as not being as nervous? Because I, I have a friend who's a public speaker. His name is John Rulin. He wrote a book called Giftology. And John mm-hmm. is, is, is a well-known person. And he said, look, when I'm nervous, it just means I care, right? Yeah, and, and which and, you know, and, and so it's funny, like whenever – I'm actually not – I don't get that nervous, but I do always write before. And then I'm like, this just means you care, man. So that's right. You know, it's it's a it's a physiological indi- indicator of that. Uh, what what are some like little hacks that we can do before we have to do a presentation or before mm-hmm. we have to go into a big meeting or maybe we are doing our TED talk? But what are some some recommendations you have regarding that? Well, I first want to comment on on what you just shared, which is mindset matters a lot, and and there's a lot of good research being done on mindset as it relates to communication and just life in general. So. First, reframing stress. Uh, there's a wonderful professor, uh, Aaliyah Crum at Stanford, who studies mindset and looks at stress. And her whole point, uh, she's got lots of points she makes, but one point is when it comes to stress, we see stress as bad. And in fact, stress can be very good. It can give you energy, helps you focus, tells you what you're doing is important. Um, uh, a, a professor um, named Allison Brooks, who's at Harvard, uh, does has done research to show that the same physiological response we have to anxiety is exactly identical to excitement. So if I said, hey, Darius, you just won a million dollars, everything that happens to you when you get nervous speaking would happen to you. Your heart rate goes up, you start to sweat, you shake a little bit. What's the difference? You're excited to win a million dollars. You might not be so excited to have to get up in front of your colleagues and give a speech. So how we frame it, how we see it matters. So those are two quick hacks is to think about how do I see this and could it be empowering? 
Another great hack I love is to get yourself present oriented. Many of us are made nervous because we're afraid that we're not going to achieve that goal I just talked about. My students are afraid they're not going to get a good grade. Entrepreneurs are afraid they're not going to get the support they want, the financial support. So if you can get yourself present oriented, by definition, you are not worried about the future, potential future negative outcome. So how do you do that? Well, you do something physical, walk around the building. I know a speaker who, before she goes on stage, plays Tetris because that makes her very present oriented. Nice. Uh, listen to a song or a playlist. I like to, and this sounds silly, I like to say tongue twisters when I get nervous because you can't say a tongue twister right and not be in the present moment. Uh -huh. So those are some quick hacks. Mindset get yourself present oriented. They can really take you out of that anxiety that you feel. Uh, I love those. Those are so good. I'm, I play backgammon on, on my phone. So I'm going to play backgammon before I talk. <laughs> there you go. I, 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 I am a, a, a mediocre backgammon player. You know, I, so I'm half Persian and, and that's, uh -huh. you know, they, I, I had heard a story that backgammon was created by the, I think it's the Persians. It might've been the Assyrians as a gift to the Chinese for creating, like, I think it was chess. They they, they, oh, they created chess. chess and and they, go, right? Yeah. 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 It's an interesting backstory. So I just started learning it, but I have this old board. My dad had has passed away now. It has this board from like the seventies. So my my son mm -hmm. and I've been playing. But it's a it's a great game. Um, so you know, I I want to um you know, kind of go to the book because you have this book. It's it's a really popular book around speaking up, uh, and, and you know, speaking up without freaking out around communication. Um, you know, take us back. Like what, what was the, the, what gave you the decision to write the book? Writing a book is a big deal. I, I have a book that I yeah. put out and, and, and I know the process of it. Uh, but yeah, like what, what was the motivation and, and tell us like the story on the book? Uh, it, it was born out of frustration. Uh, so I, for probably a decade was teaching communication skills and, at the end of my classes, like I hope all good teachers do, I would ask my students, you know, what value are you taking? What, what can I do better in the future? And my students would say, oh, I learned all these great skills for how to communicate, public speak, strategically communicate. And I look forward to being able, being able to deploy them someday when I'm less nervous. And that was just so crushing to me that they learned all these skills that they were that they really wanted to try, but they were still nervous after after having gone through a class. And it fundamentally came down to most communication textbooks, most communication texts give three or four pages at the most to anxiety management and then hundreds of pages to all these other things. And the reality is, if you can't get past the anxiety, all that other stuff isn't going to be executed well. And when I looked for texts and, and ways to help people, because I, I, as a grad student, I knew I studied this. I, I've published on, on speaking anxiety. I knew there were the resources out there. There just was no easily accessible vehicle for them. So I wrote the book. It has 50 academically verified techniques in it. It's very short. It's, meant, it's actually physically small in size. My goal was somebody could get on a plane in San Francisco, literally with the book in their pocket, take it out, read it by the time they land in New York to give a presentation and have some skills that will help them feel better and do better in the presentation. So it was born out of frustration. I was feeling really bad about what I was doing for my students. I was actually teasing them in some ways by saying, here are all these great things you can do in your communication, but they couldn't achieve that because they weren't getting the, the skills they needed to reduce their anxiety. Oh. That's amazing. So as far as like, you know, having written the book, like what, what sort of feedback have you gotten from folks who have read the book? What's your favorite piece of feedback? I had somebody in Greenland write me and tell me that they had a major presentation they were doing and a few of the techniques in the book really helped them. 
And I get, I get email and LinkedIn uh, messages like that occasionally. But what fascinated me is I didn't even know there were people in Greenland, <laughs> nor did I know that Amazon delivered books. Uh, it was, it was, to me, it was like, wow, that's really, really interesting. Oh, one other story I have to tell very quickly. I was in the San Francisco airport. I don't know how this person knew it was me, but somebody came up to me and said, hey, you're that Matt guy who wrote this Speaking Up Without Freaking Out book. I said, yeah, uh, I did. Have you read it? He said, no. I said, oh, okay. Now this is an awkward conversation. And, and he said, but I bought it and it actually helped me feel better. And now I'm intrigued. I'm like, okay, you haven't read it, but it made you feel better about your speaking. Tell me more. And he said, just knowing that a book like this exists makes me feel more relaxed because I thought I was the only one who got this nervous speaking. Uh, and I know you didn't just write the book for me. So just knowing the book exists validates that I'm not the only one who gets nervous and that makes me feel better. So I love that it helped him. It, it, I, I, I questioned why I spent so long writing the book because all I had to do was put out a cover, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but that, so I don't know if that fits into feedback, but that was just this very bizarre experience I had. Oh, that's amazing. He's like, he's like, it could have been blank pages in there because all exactly. I cared about was that I, I just felt heard. <laughs> exactly. I validated his anxiety and it helped him, which is great. And I'm glad he was helped. It was just a funny experience. I mean, you yeah. know, as an author, you, you put a lot of effort into it and to have somebody say they didn't read the book, but still got value is just weird. Yeah, no, that's yeah, it's well, it, like it's funny though. You do you do kind of learn that once that like I think the numbers like ten or fifteen percent of all books that are bought actually get read by the people mm -hmm. that buy them. It's a really small number. Ever walked into a place and instantly felt drawn in by the scent? Let me share a recent shopping experience. It was a crisp morning, and I decided to browse through a new store that had just opened in the neighborhood. As I stepped inside, a refreshing scent of citrus and pine greeted me, instantly lifting my mood and making me feel welcome. As I explored the aisles, the pleasant aroma lingered, enhancing my shopping experience and making it more enjoyable. It made me realize how much scent can influence our perception of a store and how it can make a difference in our overall experience. For stores using scent strategically, that can help them stand out from the competition and create a welcoming environment that keeps customers coming back. If you've ever been in a Banana Republic, Abercrombie, Marriott, or Weston, you know how fragrance can take your experience from good to incredible. Scent Air guided stores, hotels, event spaces, and other businesses in creating fragrance experiences that encourage customers to spend more, stay longer, and leave them happier, ultimately enabling businesses to stand out among their competitors. The secret behind scent marketing is that it's more than just filling your space with a nice scent. Scent Air is proven to increase earned revenue up to 9%, keep customers in your business up to 18% longer, and boost customer satisfaction up to 20% more. Give customers an experience they won't forget with Scent Air's professional quality fragrances designed for businesses just like yours. Go to scentair.com forward slash greatness to learn how you can save 25% off your first Whisper Max diffuser and explore other great deals today. Um, uh, you know, I'd love to talk about the podcast. So you, you're yeah. doing Think Fast, uh, Talk Smart, which is your yes. award-winning podcast through GH GSB. Um, tell yes. us a little bit about the show. Yeah, so I love it. It is one of my true life pleasures. Uh, it It is a podcast, very short. We're about 20, 25 minutes per episode. Each episode is, is on communication. We focus exclusively on communication. I get to talk with experts in communication from lots of different fields. And it's just really fun. We just released an episode talking about hybrid work and, and innovation and when's the best time to bring people together in person versus keep people remote. Uh, so it's really topical topics. And, and I learned so much 
from the folks. And I hope to share with people around the world the the skills that I get to learn and 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 really bring voices to some of these academics who who really don't share their knowledge very widely. Yeah, that's great. And speaking of, speaking of um, you know pandemic, you know yeah. like how do you you know w- here we are now. Pandemics change the way people work. To your mm-hmm. point, we have this work from home. I had a situation actually last week with one of my um, team members where where she has concerned that I was micromanaging her because I called her six mm-hmm. times in one day. And afterwards I talked to her manager and I said, I said, you know what this is? This is a work from home issue. Like we're, if yeah. we were in the office together, I would have just grabbed her and been like, Hey, come to my office. Let's, let's look at this thing together. And and we would have like, right. just, you know, like pow out yeah. around the issue. But instead it was like, I call, get on the phone and call her. We go over for five minutes, hang up. I have another thought, pick up the phone, call her. Right. And, and so I got to assume that in your studies and in the, the world you're in, that we're seeing a massive transformation in how people communicate because of work from home, the changes from people psychologically from the pandemic. What are your thoughts yeah. on those, those things? It's a, been a fundamental shift, and we're actually experiencing the second wave of that shift. So the first shift was when everybody had to go virtual uh, in order to communicate and collaborate. And thank goodness we had those tools around uh, to do that. And people struggled. People struggled with how do I engage? Uh, this is hard to watch myself. It's, it's, it's hard to make communication completely transactional where you have to schedule everything. Uh, and, and people got used to it. I mean, one of the wonderful things about human beings is we're adaptable and we, we were able to adapt. I'm not saying necessarily that it was perfect, but we, we, we managed to muddle through. And now we're going through that second transition where as COVID recedes, as the pandemic becomes more endemic, people are coming back to work. And, and I get a number of calls from people saying, I'm rusty. I don't know how to do this anymore. Uh, I got, I, because I, I started to rely so much on these crutches. I have my notes all around me. I've got stuff taped on walls and now I don't have that. Help me. Uh, and then there's the, 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 the added burden of sometimes we're remote. Sometimes we're in person in the same meeting. How do we manage all that? So we're still figuring it out. We're still figuring it out. You know, it fundamentally comes down to, and I know I sound like a, a broken record for those of us who remember what records are, that, <laughs> that you really have to know your audience and you have to connect. There's some people for whom you, you reaching out six times will be welcomed and seen as, hey, he's engaged. He's trying to, to collaborate. And there are other people who six times is like, hey, get out of my stuff. And so it's really understanding each individual and what's important. And I think at an organizational level, it's important to define some rules and some best practices that people follow. So you can avoid some of that. So it might be that when we collaborate, we're going to talk a lot more on the phone and, and that's just the rule and the way we do it. Uh, but if you get that buy-in from everybody, I think it sets expectations. So there is no clear, clear cut answer to your question. Uh, we're in that transition. I have faith that we will figure it out, mm-hmm. uh, but it takes time. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, actually, the rule that came out of that was I, I said, like, I'll email you and say, let's huddle up. Right. right. And, and that was the rule that came out of it. So to your point, like, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty good at, at, at adjusting. Uh, humans are, uh, you know, some, although we may be stubborn, we are good at, at change. Right? <laughs> I don't we, know what you're talking about. I'm not stubborn. <laughs> uh, yeah, me neither. Um, yeah. So, so like, I know right now, and I know we're running a, a, a short on time here, but um, last thing yeah. I want to talk about is your, your consulting practice, TFTS. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it sounds like this is a, a new venture for you for at least, uh, maybe you've been doing it. Well, uh, I've been consulting. A little bit. 
Yeah, so I've been consulting for a long, long time. Uh, the, this is a new a new shingle on the door, but I, I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, my, I, I tell everybody I'm a reluctant consultant. I, I, I fancy myself a teacher, educator first, but many of my students uh, would graduate and then they would say, hey, now that I'm in my role, I and this company really need your help. So I started consulting and I love it. It's great. I get to work with fascinating people doing really interesting, cutting edge stuff. And, and it, I think, makes me a better teacher because I bring real world issues into the classroom and then I take theory and, and what's happening in the classroom out. So for me, it's really beneficial. But the bottom line is this. I am all about trying to help people be more comfortable, confident and compelling in their communication. And, and this this allows me to help do that. And I think people benefit when they actually focus on their communication, either individually or their teams do. Uh, so I think getting advice and guidance on communication, regardless of how you do it, taking classes, listening to podcasts, watching videos, uh, using tools. There's some great tools out there and a coach is helpful as well. But we take communication for granted. If there's any silver lining in the pandemic, uh, it, it taught us how important communication is and just how critical it is to really think about how we do that communication. You know, I think it started with Ted to bring this all back full circle. Ted taught us there were different ways to communicate. I think watching different political leaders that we've had over the, the recent years has taught us just how important communication can be. And then the pandemic. So I think this, this trifecta of things taught us communication is important and people are now motivated to really work on it. And I think that's wonderful. I love that. And I love that your people can, can connect with you to, to actually seek some of your expertise for themselves as leaders and with their team. That's, that's such a huge opportunity from what I can see with what's going on out there. So thank you so much for, for doing that work. Um, look, I know we're, we're, we're getting wrapped up here, but uh, look, if folks want to connect with you mm -hmm. and they want to, you know, learn more, like what are the best ways to do that? Let me give you a few. So I'm on LinkedIn. I do a lot of communication through LinkedIn. Search me up. Would love to connect, uh, there, I put out a lot of content. Uh, I curate a website called nofreakingspeaking.com, nofreakingspeaking.com, where you can see my stuff and that of others. It's a bunch of free resources. And then listen into the podcast. Think fast, talk smart. Your podcast is wonderful, Darius. Uh, people who like podcasts, I think, will find value in, in Think Fast, Talk Smart. Um, and, and then, you know, if you're interested in desire, the book speaking up without freaking out is, is hopefully helpful for, for, for people. So I appreciate the opportunity to share how I can be connected with your audience. Oh, it's so awesome. So guys, you heard it here. We'll put it in the show notes, but man, Matt, what a stud. I love all that you're doing in the world. I'm so excited to check out more of the, of your work and for our audience to do that. And just so much gratitude for you joining us here today on the show. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Darius. Uh, wonderful to get to know you. You're doing good work and, and helping people along the way. And that's what it's all about. Thank you so much, you guys. Uh, that's a wrap. Take care. See until next time. We out. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. 
And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. Whether your resolution is to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. Say hello to your most delicious year yet. With fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at the price you'll like, delivered right to your door. Don't let recipe boredom strike because HelloFresh has more options than ever before. Dig into your biggest menu yet with over 45 dinner options to choose from weekly and even more market add-on items that suit any lifestyle. Someone who's always on the go, the convenience of having delicious and nutritious meals delivered right to my doorstep has been a game changer. I'll never forget the first time I tried HelloFresh, the excitement of unboxing fresh ingredients and the joy of cooking up a restaurant-quality meal in my own kitchen. It felt like I had my own personal chef minus the hefty price tag. What really hooked me was the variety of recipes they offer. From exotic cuisines to classic comfort food, HelloFresh keeps my taste buds dancing. And the best part, no more last-minute grocery runs or wasted ingredients. Everything I need is right in the box. Ready to join America's number one meal kit family? Dive into a world of flavor with HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash great free and use the code great free that G-R-E-A-T-F-R-E-E for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash great free with code great free. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.